to the Gridiron Show and our week 12 preview show. Maybe it's week 11. I actually don't even know anymore. I think it's only week 11. It's the Thanksgiving games. They have completely thrown me. And after a brilliant slate of Thanksgiving games, we're going to review all three of those and look forward to the weekend's action. And we have got a very, very special guest on the phone. You've been calling for him on Twitter. The return of Ollie Hunter. Indeed, welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin in studio. Uh, we are going to be looking over those week, uh, over those Thanksgiving games from Thursday night, and uh, the fact that they, the quality of those three games, has maybe slightly negatively affected the quality of the slate of games for the weekend. But I will make you wait no longer with bated breath. From Texas, feeling a little bit worse for wear, Mr. Ollie Hunter. How are you, sir? Howdy, partner. <laughs> do people out there actually talk like that um it's more of a drawl like howdy partner no they don't talk like that do they, people say howdy that's the main thing i've not heard anyone say howdy but if everyone I, does wear uh, does wear stetsons and cowboy hats so you know swings around about uh ollie i think you need to start scoping us out the best place to buy a stetson from because i think when we arrive in san antonio slash houston on our first weekend you me stetson shopping oh yeah we really do i mean i'm not in san antonio or uh houston but yeah definitely with the proper cowboy hats we will rock them there'll be stetson chains won't there i don't know yeah maybe I'm sure you'd probably be able to get a really crap one from Walmart or something. Yeah, we only need a cheap Stetson. and it's only so that we can be British guys wearing cowboy hats on Radio Row because, uh, you know, that's the sort of thing that ludicrously actually gets you attention. Do you think we should do have, like, gridiron waistcoats, black waistcoats with gridiron on the back? <laughs> um, I mean, I do now. I think that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there is a lot for us to get to football-wise, buddy. But uh, first of all, you are currently sat in a hotel room in Dallas, having been to AT&T the last two nights running? Yeah, two nights running. Um, I'm in, no, I'm in Fort Worth, in fact. And my Fort Worth, which is a beautiful city, really, it's kind of, it's tiny. And everything's very close together. And it's very clean and prim and proper. Uh, it's a really nice, really nice city. Fort Worth is about 20 minutes drive from Arlington, where the Cowboys Stadium is, and maybe, I don't know, 40 minutes drive from downtown Dallas, which I haven't been to yet. I think I'm going tomorrow uh, for SMU versus Navy. Ah, uh, George, yeah. uh, Ford. That's a, it's an interesting stadium, Ford, because it's not huge compared with some of the other places you'll have been for college. It's probably only about 35,000, but one, en- one yeah, end yeah, is so like a grassy knoll. It's, there's no actual seats there. Yeah, and if you look it up on Google Maps, it looks like a horseshoe, which, because uh, you've got the stadium bit, which is like the horseshoe, and then at one of the end zones... It's a grass bank, a grassy knoll. Very nice, uh, Will Gavin. Um, <laughs> don't, don't say that in Texas too much, because... 
definitely don't um but yeah so you've got that and then from the air it looks like a horseshoe which i love that kind of thing uh i think the smu might be my new team to support because i love the mustang it's a reverse mustang that you have uh on the car the mustang car and which is my my dream car so it could be that uh, smu will be my plucky underdog team i'll check tomorrow I, if i end up spending a hundred two hundred dollars on on swag and gear then they're definitely <laughs> going to be my team uh but yeah so you're, what you're saying is you're jumping off the penn state bandwagon just as they oh. look like they might go to the big 10 championship uh, no i'm um, <laughs> staying on the penn state bandwagon the first college game that i saw however i think there are a hundred and something colleges so you can have two teams I, I'm not so sure, buddy. I think you're doing a bit of bandwagoning. This is music is suitable, considering you're in Texas as well. Exactly. I'm allowed to do bandwagoning. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, maybe don't go into a, don't go into a, uh, bars in certain areas of town and ask if anyone fancies bandwagoning, because uh, I don't know if that's a slang term, but it sounds like it should be. If there's anything to go by, they just ask me to repeat it because no one understands anything that I say. Even though I've heard really kind of negative things about Houston, I don't know if you've listened to the show while you've been away. I hope you nope. have. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the incredible thing is, people on the tour, on 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 the sports travel tour. Oh, I can't say that. Uh, people on the tour uh, have been listening to the show and they keep telling me stuff like you've been slagging me off i've said nothing but wonderful things i nearly wept the other day with how much i missed you that's an absolute lie and you know it (laughs) (laughs) uh we did have but what i'm saying is we had greg on the other day greg rosenthal uh after he'd been on the nfl show and we chatted and he was saying that you know it, it might not be a great city but we'll still find a way to have fun. So I, I'm getting pretty pumped for Houston now, I'm not going to lie. Um, shall we... Well, first of all, I want, we need to talk to you about where you've been, what you've done. Starting off with, last weekend, you were at the Coliseum on the Sunday night, followed by Mexico on the Monday night. Uh, this is Basically, I want this, this podcast is going to be a travel log with just a little bit of football. So people want to know about you missing your flights because yeah. i only gave half the story on the podcast because at that point i only knew half the story uh, and just talk us through your first couple of days okay so uh, i didn't realize that i was going i didn't know whether it was all confirmed because uh, the stuff hadn't been sent to me until the night before uh i i you know had to do lots of things to get ready i hoped to stay up through the night but fell asleep watching thursday night football Woke up a little bit late. I was due at uh, the airport at 7. I woke up at 7. Uh, left left the house, got onto the... I mean, that's more than a little bit late. Yeah, it is, yeah. The flight was at uh, 20 past 10. So I figured I'd have enough time. I got on the M25 at about half 7, quarter to 8. Realised, oh crap, I've left my passport, which had all of the all of my dollars as well. Went back, got my stuff, came back to, onto the M25, gridlock. Got to uh, drop off my car at about 9, 9.15. Ended up at Heathrow at 9.35. They'd closed the gate. So I was stuck there, not knowing what to do. I called you. 
threatened to call it all off. I was in tears. I wasn't in tears. I might have been in tears. You were you uh, were finding it a little life a little difficult at that point, and I. Oh, I really was. My problem was I really didn't know what to do. I was like, Ollie, because uh, if I'd had the car, I would have come and got you and got you somewhere else. But I didn't have the car. Sarah was at work. I I was stranded. So, okay, I then found that there's another flight leaving from Gatwick at 10 to 1. Norwegian Air, brilliant. I I tried to get an Uber back to Gatwick. The Uber driver took a detour whilst on the way to Gatwick to get petrol because he didn't think his car would last. I ended up missing that flight by about 10 minutes. That is the most ludicrous part of it. Like, seriously, if you're the kind of Uber driver who's going to be around the airports, make sure you're full. And, get this, Uber are not refunding me, because they've looked at the log and said, oh, it can, it, it can take between 45 and 70 minutes, and if it taken, and it took, I think, 71 minutes to get there. So the, the delay didn't cost you. Well, yeah, it did, actually. I hate, I hate Uber. Fact. Uh, they're an absolute disgrace. Anyway, I then had to go back to Heathrow to get on another flight, Air New Zealand, which I was on a flight with um, the New Zealand Maori rugby team, which was interesting. Ah, nice. Um, did, you, did you speak to any of them and compliment them on the uh, lovely gesture that they did when they went and played in, uh, in Ireland? Uh, if they, you've not seen that video, it's pretty incredible. That's a different team, I think. New Zealand Maori are the A team. Yeah, yeah, no, from... it was New Zealand Maori who played oh, really? at Munster, and then um, when oh, they did the hacker, Munster. they went and when they went and did the hacker, they laid down. Um, uh, it's really terrible. I can't remember his name now. The the coach the who Anthony recently died. Foley. Yeah, Anthony Foley. So they went down and laid down a New Zealand Maori jersey with his number on it in the. No on the halfway line just before doing the hacker and then did the hacker because uh, the hacker is whilst it's still a war dance it's also traditionally uh, a way of um yeah. celebrating fallen f- fallen um comrades and they uh, yeah they did the hacker and the whole monster team were in tears and it was both devastating and beautiful and wonderful all at the same oh time my God. That's when sport's just incredible, isn't it? I love stuff like that. I will look at it, and I will also be in tears, because I remember watching Foley. He was a great player. Oh, man. Oh, I'm going to... That's that's incredible. No, I did not talk to them about it. Had I known about it, I would have congratulated every single one of them that I saw walking down towards economy whilst they were in business. Uh, (laughs) That's fine. What was great about that flight, Will, was that um, I... I had a three seats by myself and it turned into a sofa. It turned into a sofa? Yeah. So where your legs normally go, there was a sort of a, a, a padded panel, which was part of your seat, which raised up and then stuck in place. So you had like a bed, like a sofa bed. Like a little footrest. So all the footrests of each three of the, all three of them would come up, would lock into place and it would be like a snug little den sofa area that is i mean that is delightful considering how shocking a day you've had up to that point i am delighted that something went your way that was the only thing that went my way i watched a load of animal kingdom which i'm really enjoying 
Brilliant. which is very good. And I'm, I've I've got three episodes into Westworld, which is fantastic. But the most oh, and it gets thing- so much better as well. Well, yeah, but the annoying thing is there are ads all over American TV which do massive plot spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so ima- I imagine if, it, of stuff. if you're six episodes behind, that's probably true. Yeah, and I am sick, yeah. So, landed, anyway, I got there fine, landed, blah, blah, blah. The next day, went to USC versus UCLA, which is a big derby uh, of the two biggest LA um, uh, LA universities, the Trojans and the Bruins. Um, I managed to get in, I think, for 30 bucks. Uh, uh, I borrowed. I, I bought one of the guest's tickets. He was seeing his, his, his uh, brother, um, who'd come down for, I don't know why I'm telling you that bit, but he's, he, <laughs> I, I managed to I'm get, editing I managed, nothing. Exactly. I managed to get in, um, and, and the reason why it only cost 30 bucks is because the most, I, I tried to sell the ticket, but the most I was offered was 20 bucks because it's really cold in LA at the moment and loads of people didn't turn up. So the Rose Bowl, which is 101,000 people, I think, was only about two thirds, three quarters full. So no one wanted to buy this ticket. There was a guy trying to sell 200 bucks tickets for $50. Couldn't sell them. So That's my, nuts. My 125 buck ticket did not get sold. The Trojans beat the, upset the form book and destroyed the Bruins. But what was great about that was a little bit of uh, get your kit watch ready, music ready, was a little bit of... Kit watch! Because both teams played in their home colours. So the Trojans played in... Uh, That's just like confusing. A, a maroon... I love the maroon. Maroon and yellow. The, the, the beautiful, beautiful jersey. And then the Bruins played in their sort of almost baby blue, but not quite as nice as baby blue, and gold. And it, 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 to see red versus blue on a football field is just great. And I, I was, it was a privilege to see that. The next day we went to the Coliseum. It was predicted to rain, and it rained, man. Yeah, I, I mean, we saw it on the TV. It was it was a sludgy mess, I'm not going to lie. It rained. But what, it, it drizzled most of the way through the game, but it wasn't proper rain. But it, there was a deluge before, which obviously affected the field, and then a massive deluge right afterwards. I was up in the press box. I had some some really good food which was which is uh, which is nice um the coliseum i would say because it rained everyone's a load of the locals said because they knew it was going to rain it what and it rained it was only about oh man two-fifths full maybe three-fifths full i like i like that you're working in fifths here it was less than half full i mean that is ridiculous if you think back to the fact that they have pretty much sold out season tickets mm. this year uh and like basically people have got tickets and are choosing to stay away and okay we can blame the rain for that but i think we blame jeff fisher and this seven and nine bull crap just as much as we do that i i really think we do as well um i also think if anyone watched the game it might not come across but actually live i don't think jared goff did that much wrong that is seven and nine bull yeah, yeah, yeah. You're wrong. I think Jeff Fisher is treating him with kid gloves and, and baby steps and is not really trusting him to make the plays that I think he could probably do. Yeah. He's very good on his feet. 
I think the conditions played a part as well. And I wouldn't be too downhearted with the box score and how he looks on telly if I were a Chargers, if I were a... Um, uh, a, a St. Louis, no, a Rams fan. Look, <laughs> here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem here. They're going to the Saints this weekend, and the Saints have scored three touchdowns at home in nine of their last ten games. And uh, they are an offensive juggernaut. And yes, the Rams' defence is a good unit, but they're going to put up at least 20 points on them. And I can't see a Jared Goff-led LA Rams putting up 20 points on the road in his second game because yes he was being treated like kid gloves it did look like they stripped back the offense and and made it simpler for him it it was very similar actually to Dak Prescott in his first couple of games in terms of the offense they ran but he just never got past his first read he never you know there was no instinct there there was nothing that showed to me that he had the raw smarts of a quarterback he's clearly got an arm but I just there was not one play where I really went okay that's encouraging okay yeah I can understand that I can understand that I think first NFL game the first even plays as an NFL player I would just hold fire on any sort of judgment that your oh, people uh, are going to make. Yeah, but we, we love overreacting to very small sample sizes. It's exactly what we do all the time, Ollie. Uh, my uh, now, Will Kevin, let me tell you what, what was awesome. <laughs> was it my favourite moment of Sunday where you sent me a photo of two Hall of Famers stood either side of one of the most famous players of all time and admitted to me that you weren't sure who the middle guy was when you first took the photo? Yep. <laughs> no, there is that bit. I told okay. Sherry about that on the last podcast. People are aware. Okay, good. The, what was really cool was, as media, you get to go on the field and wait by the tunnel before uh, the end of the game. You so you had some great field. photos from there. Man, the one I took of Co- Cody uh, Case Keenum looking on as uh, J- Jared Goff uh, et al. try and get back into the game is... And it was amazing being down on the field. What was incredible was the level of noise that half a stadium, less than half a stadium, was making and trying to make it as difficult as they could for the Dolphins to to make it on second and third down. That That blew my mind, how loud it was. No wonder in a place like Seattle or... Um, wherever else is loud, at the Arrowhead, somewhere like that. No mass, no mass. It, it doesn't surprise me that they go on hard count or um, the the crowd has that big an influence because it was so loud down there, and that was that in itself was incredible. The final play, uh, as uh, Jared Goff hurled it into the end zone, I was behind that that play and saw it come down. I I got told off for taking photographs, so I couldn't take a photograph of it, but. Just to be on the field was incredible. After that, I spoke to Jay Ajayi. Um, it was a pulled interview, but I got a question in. And then as we were leaving, or as he was going up to the coach, I walked all the way up with him and had a really nice off-the-record chat about him, how he's, how he's feeling um, about the season, how much he's looking forward to coming back. He's loving the fact that the Dolphins are going to come back to the UK next season. I was, I was kind of, uh, I, I was wondering how aware he was of the fact that he's now known just as London-born JHI. I didn't tell him that. What I did <laughs> tell him was that the game was flexed um, by Sky Sports to show him and Jared Goff. Yeah. And he didn't know that. And he said, that man, that is cool. There you go. So, 
Ollie Hunter breaking news and uh, taking names across the US. Uh, that's really, that is really cool. Um, talk to me about Monday night, because I know you were only in Mexico for kind of 48 hours or so, but how, you know, you've, you've been to many an international series game in the UK. You've seen how London has taken to the game. It was the first game in Mexico in something like 14, 15 years. They've only ever held one there before. And... How did they take to the NFL as a as a nation? There were uh, Mexico City is an is an insane city. I mean, it's mental, mental. Will it's it's full of mental. people. 20, 24 million people. There's it's gridlock traffic. It's smoggy. It's dirty, uh, but the people are lovely. Um, <laughs> there, lo- there are loads of NFL fans. Loads of American NFL fans, but even more, Me- of course, more Mexicans. Loads of jerseys, loads of all different, um, all different teams around the city before and afterwards. Um, the stadium itself, I didn't go. I couldn't get uh, a media pass. Um, but the people that I know that did go said that it was that the organisation was disgraceful. Um, the once inside the. The atmosphere was incredible, but people that were sat on the top tier said that if it was in the United Kingdom or in, it wouldn't be, if it was in the United Kingdom, and, if, and if, of course it's a football, um, a soccer field anyway, a soccer stadium anyway, it wouldn't get past any safety checks. The dangerous, um, the the vomitries are, are too small and too crowded, people there were no stewarding there was no um there was no directions from anyone or on the in the stadium itself for people for where to people to go there was no lighting inside the stadium inside the the gantries it was just not nothing like what people thought it should be um and if the nfl are going to have another game in mexico they're going to have to insist and and make sure that nothing like this can happen again because it it's a, almost a miracle that n- no one was injured there were people who went said it it felt like a cru- the crush in in and around trying to get into the stadium and out at the end of at the end of the game it felt like a, a football stadium in England in the 1980s and and you know what makes you think twice about whinging about Twickenham doesn't it Oh man, I love Twickenham. I don't not, care not you personally, says. but I mean the many people who did. Yeah, yeah, it really does. We're so lucky to have Wembley and Twickenham. Once they iron out, iron out a few little things, will be great. Uh, apparently, the the atmosphere inside the stadium, proper Raiders. There were a lot of Texans there too, apparently, but that didn't come across on the the coverage that I saw. Yeah, I um, mean, it, it, that's that's what is interesting. I, I, I engaged with a few people on Twitter. Maybe, maybe I was silly to do so because I'd had a few beers on Monday night. But there were some Americans tweeting, listen to the Mexican crowd. They get it. London don't get it. And I'm like, first of all, you send the most popular team in Mexico to Mexico. They are going to get a really good reception. If you send 
Uh, if you sent the Seahawks over to the UK right now, you'd get that kind of reception for them as a home team. It's never going to happen because they won't give up a home game, but you know what I mean. And then secondly, no, that's nonsense. The London crowds get it better than most American football crowds I've been to in America. You know, they actually know when to make noise, when not to make noise. They're intelligent about the game. I got pretty annoyed about the whole thing. Good man. Uh, I, know, so, I know how you get in a Twitter spat. <laughs> uh, it's, but look, I, I, I'm aware of how your body reacted over the next few days, and I'm keen not to address that too publicly yeah. on the podcast. But no, what, I, what I, I will just say, apocalyptic. What, what I do need to <laughs> apocalypto. <laughs> Was that based no, in Mexico? Um, yeah. The uh, <laughs> um, uh, what I do want to talk about is the last two nights you've been at the AT and T Stadium. You saw uh, yeah. you saw the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, which in itself is is a you know almost an NFL rite of passage. Uh, and then you were there last night for uh, the Texas Tech game, I believe, as well. Um, I have never known somebody to have a bromance with a stadium before, but. Every message or tweet or anything we got from you over Thursday night was, wow, this place is amazing. Wow. Like, well, I am a bit like that. You in, were stunned. Anyway, but uh, what a stadium. There is no other stadium that I've been to or seen on telly that's like it. It is incredible. I mean, the noise, the Jumbotron, which is insanely, it's just gargantuan. Every seat has ample legroom and a great view. Um, there's a standing area with which they packed, I don't know, seven or 8,000 people in. Most of them are watching on the giant jumbo screen. They just paid to be there. I think it's a, about 60 bucks just to be in the stadium and watching it on the, on the screen in there. It is a mind-blowing experience, an awe-inspiring experience. I would love to see Green Bay play at the Cowboys there. Well, or, I mean, it was the site of their last true success, of course. Yeah, I set you up for that. Well done, mate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great. Anytime, great. buddy. Anytime. Yeah, you want a Super Bowl more recently than we have. That's true. That is true. Um, it, it it was an incredible... When it's full, it was, an in- it was incredible. The Texas Tech game was not full. It was... Um, uh, about 50,000 people less. It was, there were 93,000, I think, in uh, in for the, the Washington-Dallas Cowboys game. Just amazing. Just just stunning. For, uh, in my mind, you were going around just testing seats and, uh, and checking out the facilities all the way through the Texas Tech game. It's by the fact there were nearly 100 points on the board, just going around and, and sitting everywhere and seeing what the view is. Um, you're off to MetLife on Sunday night, which is going to be freezing. Good luck. Uh, yeah, and then great. Philly on Monday, and then you're back with us. I suspect we'll probably need to wait until this podcast next week till we have you on again, because you will be a wreck when you arrive back on Tuesday night. I'm arriving back Wednesday a.m., I think 6 a.m. Oh, nasty. Do you yeah. need picking up from the airport? Uh, no, my car's there. So. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, but thanks, though, buddy. Well, uh, yeah, if it wasn't for my wife needing the car, I would have given you a lift in the first place, and maybe all the bad things could have been avoided, because I would have turned up at your house and woken you up. But there we go. So what you're saying is all your fault. Uh, I'm saying it's it's maybe like 20% my fault. How much percent your that's, wife's fault? Well, that's, that's one-fifth. How much percent your wife's fault? 
Uh, I mean, she, of that 20%, has to take, you know, a good 13% of that. Also, thank you for explaining what 20% is in a, in a fraction. Well, because you described yeah. the stadium as two-fifths full earlier. Well, it was. Good. Excellent. Which is 40% for those that are wondering. Strong maths work, buddy. <laughs> uh, did you get to watch any of the other games on Thanksgiving night or just the one at the Cowboys? Um, I saw the end of the Minnesota game, which was very funny. <laughs> I, wanted it, I wanted it to be a, a tie, but Matt Bracer is proper clutch, isn't he? I mean, he did it in London for the for the Lions. Of course he did, yeah. What a, I, having missed the first kick, of course. Let's not ignore that. Well, yeah, OK, he did miss the first kick. But, but in, in the end, when it counted, he got it done. Yeah, fair point. Uh, that was a bit of a... a a turgid game, wasn't it, really? I mean, no, I, I actually thoroughly enjoyed that. I went to watch it at the Hippodrome of Paolo Bandini and Dave Venables, and I I thought, you know, whilst it was, obviously, we were, there was plied with beers, and we didn't go for the £12 turkey buffet, but we did get some pumpkin pie, which was the sweet, like, the pumpkin pie at the Hippodrome was like eating uh, cinnamon toast crunch in pie form. It was so sweet. But we, I, I actually, you know, a def- turgid defensive battle is sometimes really interesting. I just thought, overall, the Lions, now at 7-4, and four, sole possession at the top of the NFC North, you know, a good four, three games uh, out from Green Bay as well at this point. Um, they look like they're probably going to win this division at this point. I mean, even if you look at their, their schedule, I thought... The, you suddenly saw a Golden Tate look very good again. Anquan Bolden had a big game. Stafford, it, it, it had that kind of stretch in the middle where they couldn't complete on third downs and they couldn't get it going, but they were going against one of the best defences in the league. Um, mm. Whereas just the poor Minnesota Vikings, they lost even more players in this game. Uh, not only did they, were they missing Stefan Diggs, but they had more O-linemen going down left, right and centre. You know, Joe Berger went down, Jeremiah Siles went down. You know, these are guys who are basically uh, already backups to backups. Um, yeah, they, they, they didn't convert their first third down until I think 42 minutes in. It's just yeah. not a good offence. And it's a real shame because it could have been a very, very good team this year. And I liked that they were bold and went and got Sam Bradford. And I don't want to put it on Sam Bradford that it's bad because I think it's the injuries. But uh, yeah, I think they're they're in some serious trouble. I agree with you on everything that you've said. I think the line it's the the Lions is to lose, but it would be very Lionsy to lose it. I just don't know who they're going to lose it to at this point. I mean, they're they're going to they've got the Saints at home, the Bears, the Giants, Cowboys, and Green Bay. I mean, they only really need to win three of those to win the North at this point, I think. And I think they could win the first three of those. Uh, yeah, there might be resting players by the time they get to you, mate. Maybe a wild card berth is in the offing. Aaron Rodgers has said he thinks you can run the table. Well, imagine, imagine if they do. Ah, oh, look, I think. Uh, let me see. We've they've got the uh, the Saints. It could end up being. That they're one game ahead of Green Bay when they host Green Bay, and if Green Bay win that, they'll have a better divisional record, and they've beaten the Lions twice, and we're going to go to the playoffs. <laughs> I, I at this point almost wouldn't want to get to the playoffs if I were you, because they might actually keep Mike McCarthy around if he manages yeah. to turn this team around. You know what? That's a, that's a fantastic point. That's a fantastic <laughs> point. We watched that. I watched the end of that game from the press box in 
uh, in the AT and T. In your new favourite um, stadium. My new favourite stadium, and then. It was, what a great game that was, huh? You were undoubtedly at the game of the night. Cowboys going to 10-1 and one with their 10th straight win. But I kept thinking Washington were going to, to, to get back into it. And actually, do you know what? Uh, I know that there might be some suggestion that thanks to a stupid bet I made earlier this season, there uh, might be some anti-Cowboys bias. But for me, through three quarters... If they had managed, we saw them revert back to their red zone issues of the very beginning of the season. But if they'd managed to convert in the red zone, I thought Washington were the better team through the first three quarters. And actually, what you were seeing from Dallas was a bit of prevent defense. So allowing them into the red zone before then swarming them. They're much better in those short yard situations. But actually, you were seeing their offense was like average play, poor play, average play, average play. Yeah highlight play suddenly you've gone 40 yards on one play and then nothing 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 and suddenly a highlight play again and it it just felt like it kept being like that and all the Cowboys points came off the back of you know 22 yard runs 45 yard completions uh it was I, I I don't get me wrong I was impressed with Dak Prescott overall even with his kind of only 195 yards but they they uh you did feel like Washington, this was a game out there for them to win. Kirk Cousins, 449 yards and three touchdowns, probably should have won it, not sacked once. And the main reason I'm concerned about the Cowboys overall um, is the last time they got an inception was in week six before they went on by. The last time they got a forced fumble was in week eight, four games ago after their bye. No turnovers in the last four games. And you go up against a team like the Seahawks and you're not able to take the ball off them, you're never going to beat them. And that, that's a really good point. A really, really good point. Um, the, uh, Dustin Hopkins missed two field goals, which would have brought it... Well, they would have won it if they'd have got, that, got those. I think the... On the side kick with, I think it was about nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter at, when the score was 24-19 uh, to the Cowboys. I think that was that was a silly thing. That, uh, that was a bad play call. I think you've got to back your defense to get something done. Kirk Cousins looked really good. Looked really, really good. As did that Prescott. And it was there for Washington to do it. But the Cowboys have got, they've got their own bandwagon that they're on. And they are rolling at the moment. Everything that they did, they, everything that they did went, went for them. It went well for them. And I can't see how they're going to be stopped. I think, yeah, the, the, the concern for me is that Washington went near perfect. This, I've just read this stat, and this is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the re- uh, Washington, the f- only the fourth team since 1940 to lose despite 500 yards of offense and no turnovers. Yeah. Like, I mean, do you count the onside kick as a, not being recovered as a turnover? I don't think you do, but it no, was basically like one. And, and the two-point conversion isn't a turnover either. No, no, no. Though, neither of those you know, count. I'm going to snap you off now. The two-point conversion, they haven't had a two-point conversion all season. And the Washington, the Washington Football Club is the only team with a winning record that Dallas have beaten this year. 
I mean, uh, further proof. I don't get me wrong. I think I feel like people are going to be like, oh, you're just hating on the Cowboys. I don't doubt the Cowboys are an incredibly talented team. I just thought Washington over the course of this game were the better team and lost due to big plays from Dallas, not due to overall quality. And for me, that's not a sustainable model against better quality teams. I do want to know, Ollie, after we've had some doubts for uh, about him in the in the past. How do you like me now? How do you like me now? How do you feel about uh, how do you feel about um, Kirk Cousins at this point? I think it's fantastic. Um, the watershed moment was the tie in London where he had a career day. I don't know whether that's been beaten now by his play, but he has been outstanding since then. Jordan Reed coming back was vital. Vernon Davis had another great game. And when you've got Jameson Crowder, I think they need to get the ball to him as often as they can when they're not using Jordan Reed. But with uh, that that throw out to Deshaun Jackson, uh, I was right behind that throw, or it was coming towards me, and it was just perfect. And that's the kind of thing that Kirk Cousins can do. I'm loving what he what's going on with Washington and their offense at the moment. Um, I um, I. I uh... I'm 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 sad that you weren't able to get down to the locker rooms etc on Thursday. I understand you had a job to do and a tour to run and you had to make sure exactly. that all, yeah. all of our all of our people were happy. But Des Bryant, right? You've won the game. You're 10 and 1. You got the better in the matchup that everyone was wondering whether or not you were going to yeah, be, who was going to come out on top of it? I think Josh Norman's actually had a really good year, and actually, I think he had a couple of good plays against Des Bryant. There was some jawing on the field, and I understand that that's part of the game, and that that's um, you know ev- that's part of the game for for everyone involved. Everyone, you know, you get up and you have egos when you're on the field. His behaviour after the game was disgusting, like genuinely. Yeah, Josh Norman went up and tried to have a conversation with him after the game and shake his hand and basically say, well played, and and admit that he was the better man. Des Bryant refused to, walked off taunting, and then spent... Uh, you know, the, the, one, the moment that he was out of his media obligations, started tweeting. All through the week, I, I will post film about how Norman got exposed and putting out gifts of him being beaten. Uh, at Jess Norman, you're at the kids' table because you're Des Bryant's son. Eat your veggies. Boy, stop. Go watch the film. Uh, the man can't cover one-on-one. I broke him down on so many routes tonight. Uh, I'm not disrespectful to play of the Lees. I love this game at Norman. is paths football. If you're going to spit fire, be able to take it. I just think, leave it on the field and be a good winner. Just, you can be... I, I've said before in the past that I like some of the stuff around football. I think it's fun. But I just think... You know, once it's like with boxing, once you're out of the ring, be respectful because that's what you see with boxing, with UFC, with with anything else. They they will be like, yeah, okay, we had the drawing beforehand because it's part of the mental side of the game. But actually, I respect you. And there was none of that from Des. And I'm bored of it. I'm with you. It's it was going on all throughout the game. It was a nice kind of sideshow to see. But all the stuff afterwards, just it's unedifying. Um, just get over it, man. It, it, it's it's a game. Um, George- Josh Norman. Josh Norman's had a very, as you said, very good season. He actually played really well and, and stuffed Des for a lot of that. Uh, for Des Bryant to only have got seventy-two yards, uh, who's had the better day, really? 
Um, Jordan Reed is an interesting one. Jordan Reed went out of the game hurt, came back in, finished with 10 catches, 95 yards and two total touchdowns. 85 of those yards and both touchdowns came after the injury. Uh, he's got a separated AC joint and has basically been told he could have surgery potentially on it today but would probably miss the rest of the season. Or he can pain manage it. It won't do any particularly severe... Uh, you know, He's not going to do any really more damage to the injury at this point. So... You can play through the pain if you want, and we can fix it in the off season. And it sounds like that's what he's going to do. What a man! What a man! What a great guy! Great guy! Uh, the, the, the one of the touchdowns, I think both of them, but one of them sticks out in my mind. A, a dart from Kirk Cousins put in the place where no one else could have got it. That's um, part of football. A part of football that I absolutely adore. Will is when. You hear on the on the comms or the, the the color commentator will say there's nothing that the defensive back could have done there. He covered him well. It was a perfectly thrown ball and a great play. I love football like that. And the Jordan one of the Jordan Reed catches, I think it was the one for eight yards down the middle, where he plucked out a dart from the air. I love football like that. It's perfect football almost. Asda, get all your Welsh favourites like a 350 gram pack of Collier's Powerful Welsh Cheddar was £3, now £2. And six braces Welsh cakes, get two packs for just £1.50. St David's Day worthy at celebratory prices. Don't compromise. Asda, save money, live better. Selected stores subject to availability. Welsh cakes, Wales only. £1.10 per pack. Hazel Irvin here, and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds, where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off. Taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park, it's Daphne from Accounting riding the spreadsheet demon chair. Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, weaving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sportrelief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. Um, I, um, I'm going to hold my hands up. And admit I was wrong on something, Ollie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm glad we're recording this. On Thursday night slash early hours of Friday morning, I was only half watching the Colts Steelers game on TV. And I said to you, basically, wow, this right now. And you said, do you know what? I think they've actually played quite well tonight and they've been unlucky i'm paraphrasing because i haven't got the conversation in front of me but you you essentially stuck up for them and i told you you were being silly i have since watched the game and i have to admit ollie you were right this this performance despite losing 28-7 with scott tolzayan under center um 
was one of the most impressive Colts performances I've seen this season. Uh, the Steelers, after going up uh, 21-7 in the very early stages, were essentially closed out until what became, you know, uh, some desperation plays quite late on. And yes, Antonio Brown had a phenomenal game again. And yes, Big Ben can sling it. We know that. And Le'Veon Bell had a nice game as well. But actually, the Colts got to the quarterback, which is something we've not seen a huge amount of. Uh, and the two, they got down to the red zone and got fourth and goal on a couple of occasions just weren't able to convert and you think that with Andrew Luck there and his running ability and his you know he's got the best quarterback sneak out of side of New England uh, and maybe uh, Carolina then you, you probably think that with Luck and that same performance they at least come out with a much tighter game if not a win well the two Tolzien interceptions were him chasing the game I was really impressed with how he stuck in the pocket. Many of the balls that he threw, he was hit as they were being thrown. And I counted at least five or six bad drops. Dante Moncrief, Philip Dorsett, T.Y. Hilton, all culprits. Dwayne Allen, all culprits in dropping balls which should have either have gone for a touchdown or a first down on third or fourth. Uh, there's nothing you can do as a backup quarterback when your receivers don't catch the ball. Also nothing you can do when you don't have a viable running game. Todman, okay, he 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 came out with the most yards only off three carries, but where was Frank Gore in all of this? The Colts' running game is diabolical. I see. I, it's not been this season. Frank Gore actually has had... He's on pace for another 1,000-yard season. I think that'd be the ninth or 10th of his career. You know, that's incredible. He is a Hall of Fame running back. But it's mm. just... It's very plodding. It's it's it 21 carries for 78 yards kind of thing. Not. It's never going to be explosive yeah. for you. And I know it wasn't good, but I think game flow had a huge amount to do with that on Thursday night. They were forced to throw the ball. And when when you look at the injuries as well, Ryan Kelly went down early. Denzel Good, who's not a great mm. guard, but he's still your starter. Vontae Davis went down very early. T.Y. Hilton with a back injury. Um, you know that was a brutal hit on T.Y. Hilton. Brutal. They they went hard it, and I was genuinely pretty impressed. Um, the for the from a Steelers perspective, six and five. Uh, they they were a bit lucky here because they did come up against a banged up team. Uh, James Harrison was incredibly impressive, uh, particularly yeah. at his age. But you know, uh, 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 I'm worried the fact that on that very technical defense, they're relying heavily on Javon Hargrave and Artie Burns, who got beaten quite badly on the touchdown. And yeah, I I just feel like. They're not a complete enough team to go deep in the playoffs at all, and they've got a really tough run coming up. I mean, they've got the Giants next, and they're at the Bills, at the Bengals, got the Ravens. You know, none of those are gimme games. They're all going to be played very tough and very tight, and whilst the AFC North is a tough and tight division this year, and, you know, you might win it at 9-7, and seven, to win three of their next five games, they're going to have to play better than they did on Thursday night. Oh, the defense is going to have to play better, and they're going to have to be better on offense, more ruthless on offense. Because after the first two quarters, or you know, the, the best part of two quarters, they looked home and hose. Credit to the Colts for coming back into it. Yeah, the Steelers, despite those that triplet of players, you kind of struggle to see how they're going to make a dent on. 
Denver, on uh, New England, and then the the next tier of teams, which is Denver, the Chiefs, and Oakland. How how are they going to do that, especially with with the schedule that's coming up? Yeah, worry for the Steelers. All very salient points, Mr. Hunter. Very well said. Shall we look forward to the rest of this Week 12 slate? Uh, and... Uh, I have to say that all three games had big playoff implications. Were all very exciting in terms of the overall picture on uh, on Thursday night, and it maybe has lent itself to a slightly lower quality of games on on Sunday. Is that fair to say? There are quite a few duds, aren't there? I mean, yeah. there's a lot of duds. I mean, let's 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 just pick five or six out to uh, to discuss in a bit more depth. Starting off with the uh, the Arizona Cardinals traveling to traveling to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, we saw Tampa Bay get back within one game of the Falcons during uh, Atlanta's bye week last weekend. And uh, whilst we know that Atlanta have been the class of the NFC South this year, they have found a way to lose some slightly bizarre games. The Cardinals have been poor this year compared to last year they don't look like the same team offensively whatsoever but you know a win today 5-5-1 five, five and one, still going in on that uh, on that wild card chase their season isn't over at the moment uh, how do you fancy this one Ollie? Well Tevin Coleman should be back and Hooray! sorely missed by me in fantasy football but more importantly Tevin uh, <laughs> I just wanted to get the celebration he's back out again carry on oh right but yeah he's, he should be back and that's key not only for uh, me and fantasy football and the Atlanta Falcons but also their offence because he was the he was not the glue but he was what kind of made everything else work he t- allowed them to tick over both on rushing and through the air as well so I think that's absolutely key. I'm loving Vic Beasley and the rest of that that line at the moment as well from the Falcons. The Cardinals, they, they're a weird team. They're just a weird side. They're, they're not getting it done, really. Carson Palmer looks like age has finally caught up with him. The only interesting thing on their team is David Johnson, which is a sad thing. I mean, I no, think and Larry, we and big Larry Fitzgerald. We but. were discussing this watching Zeke Elliott on Thursday night and what an impressive rookie season he's had. But I think David Johnson is the best running back in football right now. Considering the Arizona Cardinals line is absolutely decimated, um, you do feel like the Falcons' their pass rush has been up and down this year, but definitely more impressive than last. And you, they've got every chance of getting to Palmer today, and they're going to need Johnson playing at his very best. But the Cardinals' defense at the weekend, uh, okay. They lost, but last weekend uh, they were absolutely swarming. Chandler Jones has been a brilliant signing for them, and I I just think that yes, Atlanta have got Tevin Coleman back, but the way this game stays tight and interesting is the Cardinals play really tough, really hard hitting defense, which could happen very easily. They've got an amazing range of defensive backs as well, and uh, yeah, that that's just the one thing. If they can keep the Falcons in check, if this was in Arizona, I think this would be a really intriguing matchup. I just think at home, I fancy the Falcons. Yeah, with Matt Ryan and how he's been playing, he's still he's up there with Brady as the and and Dak Prescott here as the best quarterbacks in in the league at the moment. Uh, I'm leaning towards the Falcons. It's a really tight game though. Really tight game. Uh, the four and six Chargers going to the Houston Texans. This one catches the eye for me because these two records are the wrong way round. The Chargers at four and six, the Texans at six and four. 
it, I cannot find a way for anyone to justify to me how the Texans are the better team through 11 weeks of the season. I mean, they're just not. They've got Brock Osweiler, the Texans have. I'm still not convinced. Lamar Miller has been a, a revelation. I like what he's brought to that Texans team, and I think he's bailing out Osweiler incredibly. The fact that Osweiler has not made the most of the, of, um, of, of, of Hopkins is almost criminal. And the way that this team is built around Osweiler is ridiculous. I just don't get it. I don't think he's a very good quarterback. I don't think he'll turn out to be a very good quarterback. And genius from John Elway to offer so little that Osweiler decided to leave. I mean, it... I don't get it. Well, I mean, we discussed it with Sherry on Tuesday, and actually I think Osweiler had his best game for the Texans on Monday night. Uh, I think the he protection... He like he can throw it. So well, since Dwayne Brown came back in, and see, the, the protection is so much better, and he's finally got some time on the ball, and, and actually he made four or five really impressive, and I mean genuinely impressive throws, that if a rookie had made them, you'd be going, ooh, interesting. And he's basically a rookie in those terms. But he also made four or five truly boneheaded plays as well. Uh, I, I'm just saying that I said before the season that the money is people think is crazy, but he's just being paid like about the 18th, 19th, 20th best quarterback in the league. And do I think he can be that longer term? Actually, I still do after what I saw on Monday night. I still think that if the defense gets healthy again next season and if Lamar Miller continues to be good and the running game continues to be good, I still think there can be a playoff team with Brock Osweiler. Uh, I just think it's not happening this year. With the injuries they've got and with how poor he's been, he's still learning. Um, and I, I really like the Chargers. I really like their defence as well. I think it's very underrated. Uh, I, I think t- uh, Tyra Williams is a great uh, asset to their passing attack. And once they get Keenan Allen back next year, Travis Benjamin stretching the field. Hunter Henry's been impressive, although he's been injured recently. Just all in all, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the Chargers. Again, just not for this year. Melvin Gordon's been a bit quiet the last few weeks, but I think he's... I'm loving Melvin Gordon. He was the winner of the most surprising uh, player in our mid-season awards show, and I'm loving what's going on with him at the moment. But uh, what am I going to do here? I'm going the Chargers. I think, despite Jadavian Clowney's almost breakout game against... That him as well. uh, Breakout (laughs) game against the, the Raiders in Mexico City. I, I think that Joey Bosa and the Chargers will have too much for Brock Osweiler. That's what J-Bose. I'm really looking forward to. Jay Bose smashing B-Rock. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I can't wait for that. Can't wait for that hit. Uh, now, when I said which game should we talk about, you said we had to talk about this next game because the Seahawks are a contender. Tampa Bay have won back-to-back games, including a game in Arrowhead, which is obviously impressive. But they're going to get smashed by the Seahawks, right? I mean, it's a six-point line, but it's difficult. I think that's to kind. Into. I think that's really kind to it's the Bucks. It's difficult to go into Tampa. Is I, it? I think, I think it is. I think it is. I, I like the Seahawks, but I think this is closer than than you're making out. Although, let's face it, 
the Seahawks are proper sexy at the moment. I mean, the Seahawks do have that tendency to two or three times a season manage to go up against a bad team, normally the Rams, but and and, and the Dolphins very early on as well when the Dolphins weren't a good team and, and kind of somehow conspire to keep things very tight. It's, I mean, there is a little vulnerability against the run. And they have no Earl Thomas, who I think he's snapping a 118-game starting streak by missing this weekend. So, you know, there are... If you want to talk yourself into the Bucks having a good game here, there are ways you can do it. I'm just not there. I am very much in a... <laughs> I am just very much in a Seahawks are going are gonna to run them here. I think they're going to hammer them. And uh, hopefully I'm wrong. But I think this is one isn't even tight. Well, Thomas Rawls is back to full fitness, so he says CJ Prozise is out. Uh, we could see a bit more. I think his name's Alex Collins, the other running back in Seattle. Um, with what Jimmy Graham's doing as well, linking up with... It's Jimmy Graham from the New Orleans Saints of, of three or four years ago. And, and it's Doug Baldwin looking like a top ten wide receiver. Do you, have an, do you have an apology for me about that? No? Okay. Well, since when? No, hold on. This isn't incredible. This isn't... <laughs> You're ridiculous. Oh, no. <laughs> you bite so easily. You're it's a ludicrous incredible. man. You're a ludicrous man. Uh, the four and six... I'm going to Seahawks. Oh, yeah, sorry. Take your pick. The four and six Panthers going to the eight and two Raiders. Uh, Raiders, obviously, hot streak, but much better on the road than they have been at home. And uh, do you know what? I'm considering Mexico a road game as well in terms of what it, uh, the... the, the, the the atmosphere it brings, the fact that they've got to do the travelling and everything else. And, you yeah. know, I, I I like the Panthers to cause the Raiders a few issues, more than I do Tampa Bay, but I still think Oakland, as an offensive juggernaut as they've been recently, should have enough for the Panthers. I think Oakland will have enough for the Panthers because the Panthers are losing Michael Earl, and also Luke Keekley. Um I think losing Luke Keekley is a huge miss. Uh, with with the Oakland Raiders' receiving options and how well the running backs are catching the ball out of the backfield when Derek Carr either puts it on the slant or checks down or what else, I think the Raiders' offense is better than too good for a, a banged up Panthers defense and vice versa. I think the Oakland Raiders defense is getting better and the Panthers offense is nowhere near what it should be and what it was at the beginning of the season and, and, and all last season. So I'm going for not a convincing win, but a good win from the, for the Raiders here. Now, this is obviously the game of the weekend. Two seven and three teams going head-to-head, rightly flexed into the Sunday night game. The Kansas City Chiefs going to face the Denver Broncos. The Chiefs in a position where uh, these two teams play each other twice in these last six weeks of the season. You know, the Chiefs can go into mile high and, and, and get a win. When you look at the rest of their divisional record, they went in and won in Oakland as well. Um, they put themselves very much in the driving seat of the AFC West, but a bad loss to the Bucks last week. And there's part of me that when I watch that Chiefs game back, I'm starting to feel a bit of smoke and mirrors. What, what do you mean? How do you mean? I'm saying, with the phone ringing in the background, I'm starting to feel like this Chiefs team are not 
a seven and three type team who have kind of stumbled their way to this record a little bit. They've had a quite a kind schedule and. I just think Alex Smith, I loved him last year, is actually, for me, playing worse this year than he was last year. I think that Spencer Ware hasn't been anywhere near as good since he came back from that injury, that concussion. He's looked uh, a couple of yards off the pace compared with what he was doing beforehand. I think maybe he's still not quite right. And I think on the defensive side of the ball, they're relying on big plays and takeaways, whereas before they were very much... We're going to get to your quarterback, we're going to sack you, we're going to be good in the run game, and we're going to slow you down. And yes, we'll get the takeaways through Marcus Peters and the likes as well, but we know we've got a good enough defence to stand up stout without needing to make the splashy plays. Now they're relying on those splashy plays to win them and keep them in games, and it just doesn't feel sustainable to me. And I just I think that this could be the week that, more so than last week, which some people felt was a bit of a fluke, People are going to see them going up against a good Broncos defense and think maybe the Chiefs aren't a contender. Should the Chiefs start Nick Foles? Probably not. I think that's an overreaction. I think the good thing with Alex Smith is obviously he doesn't turn the ball over, and you're going against a team who. Yeah, but you are going up against a team who. Alex Smith will rarely make the bad decision and you're going up against a team who with their defensive backs with the keep to lead with TJ Ward with with everything that they offer in terms of their coverage from their linebackers they will take the ball off you if you make any bad decisions what they need is Spencer Ware to play back up to the level he played weeks one through eight this week and they will be a good team because you can actually run on the Broncos I just haven't seen it from Spencer Ware yet. So unless he has a big turnaround this weekend from the last couple of weeks since he returned from that injury, I fancy the Broncos. I'm loving this game. I love the fact that this game's on. Um, I'm, I'm not too keen of, on the uh, kick clash. The red pants that the Chiefs will go for will clash with the orange jerseys of the, uh, of the Denver Broncos. That's, you know, that's... Uh, Keep watch! Just left it is, is, is moot. Um, I think the Broncos have got just about enough uh, because you've swayed me. You've swayed me here, Will Gavin. Uh, I think you're right about the Chiefs. I, I reckon I can sway you back. All, all the way. <laughs> uh, this one isn't in Arrowhead, though. Gee. I'm wondering if there's anyone in the hotel room thinking, what is that man doing? Well... Well, incredibly, there's a locked... You know how some hotel rooms when have, have got a door? The connecting door, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that means the, a lot of uh, noise comes through. Although, to be fair, they were up until about 3 o'clock this morning, or yesterday morning. Um, so, and I know this because I was up, if you know what I mean. I going, uh <laughs> Going back and forth to the bathroom quite a bit. I mean, you were um, up for very different reasons to them, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you remember when the the two teams facing off on Monday night both looked like NFC contenders? Oh, man. Yeah. When I the Eagles crushed, Philadelphia, crushed the Steelers in week three to go 3-0 and going into their bye. When the Packers were 4-2 and and hadn't looked bad in either of their losses either and... Now we have two teams facing off at four and six and five and five on a 
crucial Monday night clash for either of these teams because yes the Eagles are at 500 but they're in a division where I think Washington still look very good for the wild card the Giants still have a much better record than they do uh, but the Packers are a wounded beast the Packers are desperate for uh, well Aaron Rodgers thinks they can run the table Ollie Hunter well he's the only person that thinks uh, they, they can run the table I mean it's de- it's desperate stuff I've, I've said it to anyone that's asked me about the Packers. Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy are culpable for the worst roster construction. I know there are injuries, but you've got to have decent backups. The whole running back situation has been abysmal. The cornerback situation has been laughable. Um, it's just, as a Packers fan, we haven't known the like for quite some time for it to be overall this bad. Of course, we had the the losses against San Francisco and against Seattle, which hurt deeply. But this is a a different type of hurt. This is a dull, aching, thudding hurt. You know what I mean? It's just something's not quite right. There's a bitter, sour taste in the mouth. And I I just want it to be okay again. And I don't know... Look, if if the Packers are going to turn the Packers are going to turn this around, this is the weekend for them to do it. The problem is, is the Eagles are very good at home. Four and zero at home this season. They've only given up thirty eight points in those four wins. Um, th- th- and and take out the Seattle game last weekend where they lost by eleven points and turnovers absolutely killed them. Their other four losses have come by a combined nineteen points on the season. So the Eagles are kind of a better team than their record suggests. Whilst the Packers in their four-game losing streak, I think you've given up 30 points in every game? Uh, it's, it's probably even more than that. It's it's desperate. Oh, buddy. I'm sorry, there's not much analysis. further analysis going to come from me on this. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not happy. I want to give it to the Packers just to make you feel better, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Eagles when I pick it online. I just want you to know that. Uh, thanks, mate. I'm going Packers, but I really shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, going, mate. But I'm... I'm going to the game. uh, As I said at the top of the show, I bought my ticket. I can't wait to get to Philadelphia and and see this game. I'm wondering, shall I run up the stairs in a in a Packers jersey up those? I mean, you definitely should do that and get someone from the tour to film you. 100%. Uh, Right, mate, let's quickly run through the rest of the weekend's games and just give our picks on them. Uh, You need to feel better as a Packers fan, so let's all laugh at the 49ers. They travel to a Miami Dolphins team who are on a run right now. By the way, I don't know if you've heard, the 49ers' run defence is terrible. London's Jay Ajayi could easily pass the 1,000-yard mark this weekend. He's on 8.02 at the moment. If he has his third 200-yard game of the season, that wouldn't be a surprise to me. I'm obviously going Dolphins. I'm also going Dolphins. I know for a fact that uh, the Dolphins are dying or were dying to be back in sunny, not wet Florida. As they were leaving the field, I think it was, um, oh crap, what's the guy's name? Number 97 was shouting at the, the, the stadium, the West Coast is ours, West Coast is ours, as they were leaving the field after beating the Rams. However, they can't wait to be back in Florida and I think that's going to, show its manifest manifest itself into a, a big win over the your terrible 49ers jordan phillips by the way uh jordan phillips, thanks, mate. the 7-3 new york giants go to the 0-11 browns and i keep hearing people saying the browns are going to win a game this season i just don't see it 
They're getting worse. The Browns are actually getting worse. <laughs> they are. Yeah. You're not wrong. You're not, <laughs> you're not wrong. So we're both taking the Giants, right? Yeah. Fine. Bengals, Ravens. Uh, the Bengals without AJ Green, without Gio Bernard. Games, but, yeah, without, without those guys that you've just mentioned that I talked all over, it's got to be, be the Ravens, hasn't it? Uh, yes. Don't worry, I still love you. Uh, the, the Jags are going to the Bills. Rex Ryan described the Jacksonville Jaguars as the best two-win team at this stage of the season he's ever seen. Oh, Rex, I'm just bored with your BS, man. Um, just, uh, just I think stop it was BS. Yeah, there you go. Just stop lying to us all. The Jags uh, are a terrible football team. The Bills are better. You're going to beat them. Just shut up. Well done. Uh, I, I am also taking the Bills. Titans at Bears. We've talked about a few banged-up teams in this show so far. Wow, the Bears are in trouble. They've just lost their best linebacker as well. Uh, Jarrell is going to be out for the rest of the season, suspended. They've got no one left on offense. Uh, they're going to be starting, you know, a, a pile of sawdust at quarterback. Uh, and the Titans desperately need to get a win because... That loss to the Colts last weekend was big in their playoff push. Uh, I think they go back to six and six. Um, I never, never pick the Bears. I'm going, yeah, I'm Titans. <laughs> and finally, another game that you're at this weekend in cold old MetLife uh, as the New England Patriots roll on to the New York Jets. Jets at three and seven. Pats at eight and two. But the Patriots' defense have been pretty bad in recent weeks. Like, pretty, pretty bad. They made Colin Kaepernick look like a viable starting quarterback last week. They did. They, they really did. That defense is nowhere near as good as anyone thinks it is. Or anyone thought it was. I think. What it should be, uh, and what it should be as well. Uh, I, I'm still going Patriots because the Jets are a terrible football team and they'll jet it up in some way or somehow. But, yeah. It, this is actually it will be a good game and I'm looking forward to the Jets fans turning on their own uh, <laughs> I think that will be really fun to see uh, I'm looking forward to you enjoying that the New England Patriots if they win this weekend will be um, Tom Brady's 200th career victory tying him with Brett Favre second for all time just one behind Peyton Manning you just imagine he's going to go on to win 220, 230, 240 in his career He's yeah. just going to keep on going, and no one's ever going to beat it. And, you know, he's a disgrace. I know. <laughs> and I know. that's all the games. Uh, Ollie, it's been lovely catching up. I've missed you, buddy. Oh, dude, don't you fret. I will be back soon. John Carlson tweeted us saying, At Holly Hunter, you need to dial into TGS ASAP. Uh, so many acronyms in this sentence. Uh, Triple B is getting beyond himself. Now, I need you to listen back to those other podcasts. I think I've been very well behaved. I will try and listen back and apologies uh, to you and everyone that I haven't been able to. All right, buddy. Well, uh, lots of love. We will see you very soon. Enjoy the games this weekend. And if we can, we'll try and speak on Monday, Tuesday. But if not, we'll hear from you again in a week's time. 
Okay, big guy. Ciao. Ciao. Uh, thank you very much for listening. At Gridiron, as always, uh, iTunes, reviews, all of that jazz. Uh, don't forget, we will be doing a Gridiron tour next year. We're looking at doing a Dirty South tour, Tennessee, Atlanta, New Orleans, going to some of the best cities in all of America. So start saving your pennies now. Around the £2,000 mark for that one. Uh, that's obviously completely unconfirmed at the moment, and we'll have more of a schedule. But of course, when we're down there, the likes of Alabama, uh, all those great Deep South uh, uh, college teams as well so so much for us to enjoy so much to us to look forward to so do start saving your pennies now ready for that one we'll be back after the weekend enjoy your sunday of football this has been the gridiron show for the bank hello you're listening to the horse ramble daily where we'll be covering all of your horse needs there's more every day during the Cheltenham Festival. Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play or to win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Full-time supply, 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org.